this might be one of the most valuable podcasts I've ever had the pleasure of doing or even listening to for new agents because everything you're saying is like, if I could make a checklist of the perfect way to do business and to start in this career, knowing what to do, these are the things, dude. You're killing it. I love your process. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. What's up, real estate rock stars? Welcome to the podcast. This is Caleb Spears, guest hosting for Aaron Muchastegi. And today we have got a very exciting guest, Baron Calvert, who is with Sloan Realty Group out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And last year, Baron did 56 transactions, more than one a week, which really impresses me. Um, he's one of the top, he's in the top 5% of agents nationwide in sales volume and uh, just has some incredible insight into the business. And uh, a lot of success early on has just continued to grow in that. So Baron, welcome to the podcast. Excited to have you, my friend. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Um, it's, it's really an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, so we were talking a little bit before we, we jumped on the podcast here and you were saying early on in your career, you you had quite a bit of of sales volume and success early on. Do you want to share a little bit about how you got started and, and how that went? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, like I said, I'm from here. I'm from Myrtle Beach. Not very many people uh, can say they're, they're born and raised here. I've been here since I was four years old, but I uh, went to high school here, um, went to a community college, graduated from there, and then actually moved to Charleston, um, got my bachelor's there. And then as soon as I graduated college, um, just, you know, full force went right into real estate, you know, here in Myrtle Beach. And um, yeah, you know, as far as my background before that, um, it was in, you know, customer service, retail management, you know, that kind of thing, nothing from a real sales perspective, but uh, yeah, what got me into real estate, man, um, just always had a passion for Myrtle Beach. I mean, people growing up, you know, they would kind of joke and say, hey, nobody loves, you know, Myrtle Beach more than you. I can't wait to get that, the heck out of here. And, but in hindsight, it's like, you know, we live in one of the best places uh, in the country, in my opinion. So got a lot of passion, a lot of pride. And uh, being from here, you know, that coupled with the fact that, you know, from a customer service perspective, really just like helping out people and uh, helping accomplish their goals. So I figured, you know, what better way to do it than to uh, kind of combine the two and get into real estate and kind of be a part of uh, the reason that Myrtle Beach is literally the fastest growing city in the country right now. So that's kind of how I got started. Fantastic. And so in that first year, what was your transaction volume? Yeah. So my first year I actually closed on um, 39 homes uh, my first year. I'm really, you know, thankful for that, but uh, it was, it was crazy. That's, that's extremely impressive. I think I did like 10. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. It came from a company, uh, like I said, Sloan Realty Group. We have a lot of um, really hands-on training. And, you know, whenever I was looking for brokerages, that was uh, two of the biggest things people said to look for was, you know, find somebody that has a lot of training and a lot of, um, you know, leads to, uh, to kind of jump into it. And that was a, a really good jump start to get my career going, um, you know, just, coming in and treating like a full-time career. Whereas some people 
either, you know, treat it part-time or don't have the option to get into it full-time at first. But, you know, I just took that leap and jumped right in it. That's you, you touched on something really big there because my first two years, I always say I thought I had a business, but I really had a hobby because I did not know how to treat it like a business. I didn't have that knowledge base or skill set. So in treating it like a business, can you break that down a little bit? Like what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, everybody gets into real estate for the freedom of it, right? The time freedom. I mean, there's, which is great. It's a blessing and a curse, right? But especially being down here, you know, you have the beach, you have the good weather. A lot of people, you know, want to come in a little bit late, take off a little early, which is fine if you do that, you know, every now and then, but, you know, especially down here, I mean, there's literally over 6,000 agents, um, in our town, but, you know, less than a thousand actually do it to like a full-time capacity. So a lot of people, you know, treating it like that, you know, are not very successful. And me, you know, just wanting to work out of passion just to try to grow as much as possible. So treating it, you know, like almost like a nine to five as if you're clocking in. I mean, usually I would work, you know, more than 40 hours a week if you want to, you know, be successful in this business. But, you know, treating it, you know, having, you know, different, uh, you know, meetings that our company has, there's a lot more structure than your regular company, you know, whereas there was some companies where say there's a hundred people in there and you don't have any kind of structure, just kind of come in, come out, not much training, not much um, perspective or, or leverage on how to succeed in, in, in the business. But with our company, we have a lot of um, not just hands-on training, but, you know, company meetings, just different things to be plugged in and, and feel like I'm a part of something to, uh, you know, to make me work, you know, harder. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what it sounds like to me, just, just reading between the lines here, it sounds like not only did you have structure, but your company provided accountability. Would that, is it, does that feel like accurate to you? No, that's totally accurate. You know, we have a lot more accountability than other companies. And I love that some people, it's a little bit tough to, to have that structure. They want to come in, not having any kind of structure, but for me, I'm kind of all over the place sometimes. So having that uh, organized culture really helped out me, but I mean, accountability is really the way to put it. I mean, we literally have, um, do different CRMs, you know, things like call accountability, which shows, you know, in our Thursday meeting, how many people are being called. If you're following up with people, you know, the way that you should be in order to be successful, but yeah, there's a lot more structure in this company than, you know, other companies around here. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And one of the things that helped me transition from the hobby I had for to really running a business, which, you know, my sales literally tripled when I started taking that business-like approach. It was learning about KPIs, you know, the key performance mm -hmm. indicators, lead measures, lag measures, right? You've got the things that you input into the business and then you get the output. And a lot of realtors will start with the output in mind. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell 10 million. I'm going to sell 20 million. I'm going to make this much money. Whatever their goal is, but they've got no idea what the inputs are to get there. And you touched on it. It's, it's calling people, making contacts, setting appointments. So in, in terms of those, those trackable measures you were looking at, I mean, did you have a contact goal or an appointment goal or anything like that, that you were trying to hit every day or every week? Yeah, um, absolutely. And a lot of that, you know, is the 90 day goals, you know, we can kind of talk about that later, but yeah. Um, I mean, I would have appointment goals, at least, you know, signing three people uh, each week would be a goal, you know, in regards to uh, appointments and, you know, meeting them, whether it be at properties or, you know, in the office, you know, what have you, making a certain amount of phone calls every single day um, through 
our, uh, our CRM structure, you know, and the KPIs involved in that. And, um, obviously, you know, goals in regards to executed contracts, um, at closings, you know, volume, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Fantastic. So making, making the right amount of calls is one thing, but we all know if you, if you have terrible scripts and you don't know how to talk to people, Uh you're tripping over your words, you know, you, you can call all the people you want. You don't make a ton of sales. I had a huge learning curve with that. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe how that went for you in the beginning in terms of learning what to say or, or how to say things that led to that success? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it, we actually do have, um, I really trade, I literally trademarked uh, scripts and everything like that that my broker came up with back in 2008, whenever he opened the brokerage. So we go off of that a lot, but um, more importantly than the words themselves, I'm sure, you know, it's the actual tonality of what you're saying. So having uh, the, the confidence, the certainty to talk to people, you know, when you get hit with an objection, not being able to only say the words, but actually say them in the right, you know, manner, the right tone. I mean, for me, the tonality is almost more important than the actual words themselves. So I'm sure you uh, have been through that, right? Dude, you're preaching. You are <laughs> preaching right now. There's a stat that I learned when I was getting my psychology degree, and it's, I want to say it's 80% of communication is nonverbal. It's not what we say. It's how we say it. How, how are we carrying ourselves or our body language, our tone, right? Uh, the, the pauses and the emphasis we put on different words. I mean, I, I was sitting in the office with a, one of our newer agents and we were doing cold calls together because I wanted to kind of see how her process was, maybe teach her a few tips that would help her. And when she was running through her script, it was she was like rushing every word and it was like, uh, maybe could you maybe have time to do this thing? And it was like quiet. And there was a lot of filler words in there. There's no confidence behind what she was saying. Was that something that came naturally to you? Did you have to work on that? What, you know, how did that go? Yeah, no, it was definitely a learning curve. Um, you know, for me, you know, I'm a bit, uh, not nervous sometimes, but yeah, it definitely takes me more of a learning curve to kind of get there. So, I mean, what really helped me out was just the reps, just calling, you know, a bunch of people and, and, having, you know, firsthand, you know, those objections, whether I overcame them or not, um, you know, really using that to, uh, to craft my skill a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely a learning curve for me just because, uh, I get a little anxious, nervous sometimes, especially around new people, but, you know, um, after a few years into it, I'm I'm way more comfortable than I, I was, you know, before, but yeah, it was definitely, um, something different, you know, when I first started. Yeah. Yeah. So the so number of reps is key. Actually, like if I literally pulled up my text with that agent, I was just talking about, I literally texted her today and she said, you know, you helped me so much by telling me to make calls faster because she would analyze one call for like mm-hmm. 20 or 30 minutes trying to learn everything, every little detail about them and the property. And I'm like, girl, you don't even know if you're going to talk to them. <laughs> just, just call. <laughs> and so what was kind of your target rep range that you were trying to hit yeah um and that's how i actually kind of was at first the same way as her i would go through um you know our our, our cm crm the leads that were out there and kind of seeing oh where are they from what's the price what property they were looking at and just how many times they've been called you know really over analyzing the situation it would take me you know like you said a long time to even you know make any calls just because i was you know uh overthinking things right but um, after I kind of got over that, I mean, on an average day, I usually make at least a hundred dials. So, I mean, at least 500 a week. Um, and that's a combination of, uh, new leads, you know, current clients, uh, past clients, you know, things of that nature. 
Um, so usually five, six hundred plus, uh, you know, dials a week. I mean, that was when I started and, and actually still, you know, to this day, it's still somewhere around that ballpark. So do you find that tracking dials is the most effective metric for you? Or are you tracking the amount of people, like the amount of conversations? Like what's, what is that target? Yeah, I track, um, you know, the conversations as far as it goes, um, you know, hundreds, sometimes the number, sometimes I need to make a hundred, 125, hundred, uh, you know, 75, sometimes $200 to get that connection rate, depending on, you know, the day, sometimes you have 10, 20, 30, 40 people you talk to other times, it's a struggle to get anybody to pick up the phone that day. But um, yeah, I mean, the contacts to me is definitely, you know, important. And if they don't answer, you know, depending on the lead source, uh, you know, still even voicemails, text messages, but doing it um, in a systemized approach and having some kind of reasoning behind it, not just kind of uh, calling random people, if you will, having more of a strategy behind it. That's huge. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's one thing I teach people is most agents will call with like no clear purpose or they'll call with something that clients already know, you know, they'll be like, Oh, the price of your home went up. And they're like, uh, yeah, dude, I have a TV. Like I've seen the news. Yeah. <laughs> I've read Facebook. I know that home prices have went up. Thanks for, for not really bringing me value. What are some of those, like I, without, I know you said you had trademark scripts, so I don't want to like give away the secret yeah. sauce here, but what are some of those value propositions you found to be successful? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's, you know, pretty simple as far as um, the scripts part. I mean, I don't really use that as much um, when it comes to actually, you know, current clients, past clients, that sort of thing. It's more of a natural conversation, right? The scripts are more so for new leads, uh, you know, leads that you want to convert, you know, type of thing. But, um, you know, really simple. Uh, I mean, just basically, you know, seeing how the search is going, see what we can do to provide value, asking them, you know, we, we're a tourist uh, vacation destination here. So a lot of people, buy second homes. We have a much longer sales cycle than other parts of the country. You know, the average people we talk to are sometimes six, 12, 18 plus months out from the first time we speak to them. And you being in, you know, a beach town, it's probably the same type of thing. So there's much more of a, you know, a refined, you know, since what you have to say to them is a lot more of a, a slow nurture process. I know whereas some towns you call them that day, they're ready to buy, you know, two weeks from now, but there's a much longer uh, sales process. Yeah. Which, which to me, by the way, just to, just to like brag on you some more, ha I, I do come from a similar market where the sales process can be six, 12 months. I've got one client I've worked for five years. It still doesn't bought anything. God bless him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love him. I talk to him all the time. Um, but you made 56 transactions last year in that market environment, which to me just speaks to the quality of your follow-up. Because you do not get that level of sales volume in a market like ours, a second home market, without having a clear strategy for keeping in touch with people and not, not letting them slip through the cracks. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, a lot of those people can be years out. And if you have, um, like I said, it's a, it's a database to where you combine, you know, reaching out to people who just registered on the website versus people who've been on the website for years. You know, they say old leads or gold leads, right? So um, I mean, I helped a guy this year. His name was Kenny. I mean, I literally met him back in October 2017, but the time was not right until, you know, literally last month where I helped him buy a condo. So not giving up on people and, you know, making sure their uh, search is good. Sometimes people's uh, criteria switch up. You know, they can 
uh, either get approved for more or want to retire down here instead of buying second home. So really just keeping in touch and uh, trying to make it personal. I mean, especially if I've been nurturing them, talking to them for years, and it's not that hard of a conversation to have at that point, you know, just every, every few weeks, every couple of weeks, whatever the scenario is, just seeing how they're doing, um, you know, and going from there. But yeah, last year I was super thankful, uh, 56 homes. Um, but it was a combination of people who live here versus, uh, non-locals. But, you know, like I told you, just trying to treat everybody, uh, the same and try to give them, you know, whatever service I can provide. Yeah. I, I love to, you're like, look, I, once, once they're kind of in my pipeline, once I have a relationship with them, the call is so rarely, Hey, do you want to buy or sell? It's like, how are you? How are your kids doing? Mm-hmm. Are you guys enjoying that place you bought last year? I mean, is that kind of the, the flow of the conversation for you most times? Yeah. Most of the time, I'm, especially if they bought places, um, you know, our company, myself take a lot of pride in being, uh, the resource to go to for any kind of vendors they need property management companies, plumbers, electricians, painters, you know, always having that guy or that girl who can, you know, help them out. And that goes a long ways too, especially people moving down here. They really don't know anybody. So just being that go-to source, not just for real estate, but, um, I mean, anything they need, uh, you know, restaurant suggestions, um, you know, anything like that. That's I that so I've started implementing that in the last couple of years too, where it's like when I when I'll talk to a lead, you a lot of times it's even new leads. I'm, and they're like, hey, I'm not ready to sell, I'm not ready to buy, I'm not looking to do anything. I always just say, look, no problem. What else can I help you guys with? Do you need a rental manager? Because a lot of our stuff is short-term rentals. Do you need a yeah, a plumber? Do you need an interior designer to help you decorate this house you bought last year? Whatever it is, I like to build relationships. I'm not transactional in my business. I want to build a relationship with you. How can I serve you? And it sounds like you're doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, I've had several people where their circumstances change and they don't end up buying anything, but they would literally send me referrals just because I was so consistent with following up with them. They didn't forget about me. And, you know, likewise, I didn't forget about them, even if they told me they're not going to buy anymore. Not, um, you know, reach out to them too often, but still every few months have a little five minute conversation just to, you know, check in with them. It's not, uh, not anything crazy, you know, Baron, I, I'm serious and genuine when I say this, this might be one of the, we're, we're literally what, like 10 minutes in, this might be one of the most valuable podcasts I've ever had the pleasure of doing, or even listening to for new agents. Because everything you're saying is like, if I could make a checklist of the perfect way to do business and to start in this career, knowing what to do, these are the things, dude, you're killing it. I love your process. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. It means a lot. Um, yeah, it really wasn't always that when I first started. Um, yeah, I did sell, you know, 39 homes my first year, but I was very um, not insecure, but, uh, just, you know, I was very young at the time, you know, and some of those people I didn't necessarily reach out to as much as I should after the closing, just because, you know, I was telling stories to myself that I didn't do a good job. You know, I wasn't that good of an agent. They don't, you know, they shouldn't reach out to me. And, and then oftentimes, obviously that wasn't the case. They would reach out to me, you know, later, you know, I'd still touch base with them, but, um, especially when I first started, I had to come uh, overcome, you know, an uphill battle as far as getting that certainty, that confidence that you need to produce here. Um, in my first year, I, I worked like crazy, but still wasn't, uh, you know, very confident in myself. But, you know, through time kind of overcame that a little bit. 
So in building confidence, do you feel like that was a result of the amount of transactions or just learning more about your market? Well, I mean, what kind of led to that? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of both just, you know, repetitions, you know, transactions, like you said, um, and just starting to, you know, believe in myself, believe in the process um, and that, you know, I'm genuinely helping out people, you know, literally accomplish their dreams, um, making the biggest purchase of their life. And, you know, once I kind of started seeing the fruits of my labor, people, you know, were wanting me to list their houses, you know, send me referrals on, you know, very uh, on a small scale at first, um, kind of believing in myself a little bit more. Um you know, that, that sort of thing, really. It, it was not an overnight process. I mean, it took, you know, years, obviously, but uh, yeah, it was something that was very uncomfortable at first, especially, you know, being young, being 22, 23, you know, right out of college, um, especially in this market, people, you know, retiring down here, you know, older generations, I love them, but especially when you're young, they judge the heck out of you. You could be the best agent in the world, but uh, it's definitely an uphill battle being young in this industry. And I mean, you got into it when you were uh, like 18, right? Yeah, I got so I, li- I got licensed when I was eighteen. I started just after my nineteenth birthday, like really in the business. And I have always felt until maybe the last literally like twelve months. I've been doing this over six years. I've always felt like I was fighting that uphill battle of my youth. As I've grown in my confidence, I think it started to shift a little bit into a pro in my favor, because when I started to carry myself with that confidence as a young person, it went from, oh, you, you don't know anything as an inconfident young person to, oh, you're like this hot young go-getter type. You're, you know, you're young, you're getting things done. And I, I don't know if that happened for you, but it kind of started to, to shift as my confidence grew. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown like real geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown, I've used LineDesk, I've used Conversion, and I think Follow Up gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple, and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform, yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. 
for Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Yeah, I mean, same kind of thing. People, um, I mean, in a good way, they would say, oh, you remind me of my daughter or my son or my grandkid, you know, um, you're a go-getter, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm using it to my advantage, you know, whereas, you know, there's a lot of agents down here uh, who are literally retirees just doing it part-time for fun. And, you know, I mean, I love, you know, a lot of them, but, you know, quite frankly, some of them struggle to uh, work an email, work a lockbox, you know, or still, you know, different things. like So using, you know, those types of skills as an advantage, uh, communication, you know, being quick to respond to people, you know, instead of taking days to get back, um, especially in a, a market like we have now, but using those types of things that some people could see as disadvantages to actually, you know, flipping it and using it, you know, as an advantage, um, you know, from that aspect. hundred percent. And you mentioned 90 day goals and that is something I really want to hear about. I'm really interested in that. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and what it did for you? Yeah, for sure. So that's something that, uh, my broker introduced. I think he actually got it from, um, somebody else, uh, but yeah, I mean, every quarter, you know, our company has uh, different, you know, meetings um, as far as 90 day goals, you know, the first three months, you know, second, you know, three months and, and so on and so forth. But um, whenever you break it down at the end of the year, people have New Year's resolutions. Those really don't stick. They're not actual, you know, legitimate goals. And it sounds like, you know, if you want to sell, you know, $20 million in volume or sell 50 homes in a year, that's a really astronomical number, but breaking it down, compartmentalizing it, um, you know, reverse engineering it to, uh, to quarterly goals, right? And then from there, you break it down into month by month, and then week by week to uh, not only, you know, succeed, or, you know, keep track of your goals and the business aspect, but um, there's actually three other aspects we go off of. So there's, we call it the four uh, B's, there's, you know, body, which is obviously, whether it's working out, you know, losing weight, um, eating right, you know, doing that type of thing. Um, being, which is more, you know, spiritual, if you're religious, that sort of thing. Um, but it also incorporates like meditations, books, podcasts, um, things like that, you know, educational material uh, to help you, you know, develop more as a person. And then balance, you know, we have that as uh, relationships, um, you know, with your spouse or if you have kids, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, date nights, you know, what have you. And then uh, business is, you know, obviously the business aspect of it, transactions, um, you know, uh, how many people you've signed, uh, closings, uh, volume goals. And if you think about it on a week by week, you know, basis, it's a lot less overwhelming. And, you know, breaking it down in 90 days, you can see where you're at and where you need to uh, self-correct instead of, you know, being at the end of the year where, or six, seven months into it, like we are now and saying, you know, that you're not where you want to be and kind of being surprised by those results instead of uh, keeping track of it, you know, from the beginning of the year, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. It's what, what we did was we would, we had this little spreadsheet and we would plug in how much money we wanted to make, how many weeks we wanted to work. And then we would plug in some of our key performance indicators, like how many contacts or dials do we need to make on average to make a sale? Mm -hmm. And then just kind of back out, okay, so there's our yearly goal. And like you said, okay, so here's a quarterly, a monthly, 
And ultimately what was powerful for me was just keeping track of a weekly goal. I felt like if, if I was hitting my weekly goal week after week, the other stuff would take care of itself. Um, was that similar to you in terms of like chunking it down like that, focusing on the, the short term daily or weekly goals, or was it more helpful for you to focus on that longer term? Yeah, definitely in the weekly to kind of see where I'm at, you know, whether I need to, um, self-correct or, you know, make more dials or, or do things in a, you know, different manner, you know, what, uh, if you will, but yeah, I mean, that really helped out, especially newer agents when they work with us, you know, they come in, you know, during their interview process, they're like, how many homes do you, you want to sell this year? And they'll give, um, you know, the interviewer some kind of number and then like, all right, you know, how much, how are you going to accomplish that? And they have no idea. So, you know, being brand new, you really don't have, um, much of an approach or idea on where to get those numbers from. So yeah, uh, breaking it down, you know, from a year by year to month by month, week by week, allows me to, you know, stay focused. I'm kind of all over the place sometimes, but having that on the top of my mind allowed me to uh, keep track of everything for sure. Otherwise I'd be really, you know, disorganized. Same hundred percent. And so when you're focused on making a hundred calls a day, 500 to 600 a week in those hundred calls, in a day, how long is that taking you on average and how many people are you usually talking to? Yeah. So on average, um, it can be depending on how many people, uh, I call or, or talk to, it could be two hours, you know, maybe a little bit less. Sometimes it goes closer to three hours. That's about on average, but usually try to knock that out early in the morning. Um, you know, between like eight to 11 o'clock. So that way I can focus on the rest of the day and not, um, get home in the afternoon, get home at night and still have to worry about making a bunch of calls. I can, you know, save that energy for, you know, showings, appointments, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But as far as people that actually pick up, it can be like 10, you know, 20, 30, depending on, you know, the time of the day it is and, you know, who I'm talking to, whether it's current clients, past clients, um, new leads, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I tried when I, when I was, I, I've transitioned a little bit on our team to focusing on a little bit broader of agent development and, and sales managership. And then I also have my own personal sales, but when I was just sales, I was trying to hit 20 contacts a day, five days a week. So having two-way conversations with 20 people a day, hundred contacts, it took me two or three hours a day, just like you. I tried to knock it out in the morning. Same thing. I freaking love your business plan, dude. It's like, <laughs> like such a mirror image and it's taken me six years to build it. I'm so grateful that you're sharing it with people because there's going to be some agent in year one that picks up this knowledge and is so far ahead of the game. So thank you for even just being willing to be vulnerable with your process. So many people like they guard those secrets. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, a lot of it really comes from my broker. I mean, I, I don't think I'd be where I'm at today if it weren't for him um, uh, and setting everything up there. I mean, he looks out, you know, obviously, uh, you know, for our, uh, co-workers best interest and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, if it weren't for him, I, I'd have no kind of uh, insider guidance or even be, you know, probably interviewing with you right now if I didn't have that kind of structure and support. Yeah, that's huge. And so to do the volume that you do, do you have an assistant or a transaction coordinator or anything like that to kind of keep the paper, the paper process streamlined? Yeah, not so much. Um, on our listing side, we do have like a, a transaction coordinator there. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, I don't have like a, a personal team or anything. The 56, you know, homes I sold were all uh, through me. I didn't have like a showing agent or, uh, you know, anything like that. Um, I mean, we do have a really good team. We have like an ISA, which is, you know, phenomenal. Um, I get a, 
a few, uh, you know, deals or transactions with him a year. But as far as closing coordinator, no, I mean, I do most of that paperwork, uh, most of that myself. Wow. That's even yeah. more impressive than <laughs> like 56 homes, a lot of homes and a lot of paperwork. That's awesome. And then in terms of your, I'm just curious on this because down here, a lot of our agents that are doing the same volume as you, they don't show their listings. They just, they just have a lockbox on the property and they're like, let us know how it goes. Is that your philosophy or do you like to, to go to your showings and kind of be more involved in that showing process? Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on the situation. Um, yeah, I'll show some of my listings sometimes, but, uh, I mean, the way we have our team structured, um, I mean, I get oftentimes where, you know, some of my coworkers, they'll bring the buyers to the property and, um, you know, kind of sell it that way as well. But, uh, as far as my approach, I mean, it's about probably 60, 40, about 60% of my transactions are with buyers. The other 40% are uh, with sellers right now, maybe 65, 35, which is a good balance. I'd like to transition a little more, uh, you know, to the listing side. I mean, most of the listings I do now are, are literally from, you know, repeat clients, uh, referrals, fears, that kind of thing. I'm not like cold calling expireds or anything like that. So it's a lot more uh, natural process. There's not much uh, battling over price or, um, you know, anything like that. So it's a little bit different in that regard. But yeah, you know, I'll show my listings, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to, uh, to get it done. Yeah, that's fantastic. I um I hate calling expireds. It sucks the soul out of my body. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my least favorite way to get leads. Um, yeah, I, I tend to prefer a more seller heavy model myself. Um, and it was the same way. I was really heavy on the buy side and I've slowly transitioned over time to more and more sellers. And now the only buyers I typically work with are just repeat customers. Um, is So is that your goal in terms of like, what would be your ideal business model if you could just snap your fingers and have X amount percentage be listings versus buyers? Yeah. So, I mean, I like uh, the buying side. It is a bit tedious sometimes to where, you know, show people a bunch of properties and they don't buy, but um, I mean, I, I like both aspects of it. I genuinely like helping people out. I know that sounds, you know, like a bit, a bit corny, right. But um you know, helping people out, you know, whether it's their first time they're buying a house down here or, you know, retiring down here, not knowing the area not knowing, you know, the, you know, the places to be versus, you know, uh, more questionable areas, but, you know, being that guide, that resource is something that's, you know, real fulfilling for me. So I still like that. I mean, I don't, you know, uh, I think the sales cycle is a little bit uh, quicker than it was before, as far as showing people houses. When I first started, you'd sometimes show them 10, 20 houses and they wouldn't, you know, buy anything. You don't see that as much nowadays just because inventory is, you know, so low. And, you know, even though things have slowed down a hair as far as traffic, you know, prices are, I mean, places are still selling quick. So um, for me, I mean, probably a little more on the listing side, you know, like we said, maybe like a 75, 25, you know, 75% listing, 25% buyers. But uh, I mean, I like, I like uh, not, not the randomness of it, but still, you know, mixing it up, you know, still not doing the same kind of tedious things every day. I like, you know, getting out and, and kind of seeing, uh, you know, neighborhood I may not have been in before a neighborhood I haven't been in in two or three years, kind of seeing how it's developed and, you know, what's going on there. There's still part of me that likes, uh, you know, getting out there and doing that. Yeah. And, and so you touched on, Hey, I know it's corny, but I just love to help people. I can tell, like, I can tell that's not just a, Oh yeah, no, I just love to help people. It's like, you really mean it. And I can tell in the way you, the way you carry yourself, the way you speak about your clients, how you're talking about your follow-up process. I mean, people that truly care do follow up really well. And um, I can tell you, even in my own experience, I've, I've shared before, like I'm ashamed of my first couple of years in the business because my follow-up sucked. I was just 
very transactional, like very like, hey, we close the deal. See you in a year or two. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow up. And uh, that, that embarrasses me now. And I love to hear that um, you, you avoided that pitfall <laughs> and, uh, and you've, you've cared from day one all the way through the transaction process. I'm curious too, in terms of, you said you're, you're showing volume from, from in, in a sales cycle sense went down from, Hey, we're going to look at 10 or 20 homes to, Hey, we're going to make a decision kind of quickly here. My guess is, yeah, the market shifted inventory has been lower across the country, but if you're anything like me, you probably got better too at refining your idea of what they're looking for by asking the right questions. Did you, did you kind of find that to be true as you as you gain knowledge and experience? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And we have different, you know, buyers, you know, consultations where we'll meet them face to face and go over, you know, literally a hundred plus different factors and and really narrow that down. I mean, especially if they're local. I mean, you could talk to them on the phone for two minutes, you know, send them some random properties, but that's not really you know, benefiting anybody. So, um, yeah, you know, listening to them a little more, you know, just from my experience, kind of seeing, you know, where they want to be versus, you know, where they don't want to be. And even though they might say something's fine, um, you know, kind of knowing that, you know, if we actually go look at it, it's probably not going to be the best fit for them. They might say it's a great idea, but once we get out there, they can't stand it or don't like it. So trying to, uh, you know, figure that out up front to, um, you know, not, uh, not waste their time, just be more, um, efficient for everybody. Because then, yeah. you know, if I start showing them places that uh, they don't like, even though they picked them out, they'll start, you know, questioning my judgment a little bit, even though they're the ones that pick the homes out, you know? hundred <laughs> percent. It's always your fault as the realtor. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the way it goes. And um, I'm curious because uh, a lot of new agents and, and when I was a new agent, this was how it was for me was when someone says, I want a three bed, two bath in this neighborhood, you're like, great. I'm going to go find you every three bed, two bath in the neighborhood. And you end up showing them like 15 of them and they don't buy any of them. They're exhausted from the buying process because they hate like 14 out of the 15 and they're just too tired to even make an offer on the one or they missed it because someone else bought it while they were looking at number 13 on the list, right? So when you were figuring out how to narrow down, hey, okay, I know you think you want to see that, but you really don't. What were some of the, the questions or just kind of what were you listening for that helped you weed out what they did and didn't want? Or like what would be a good fit for them? And I know yeah, that's different for your client. Yeah, just t- trying to take it, you know, next level, just asking different questions like, you know, a condo building, for example. Um, they'll say, oh, I love this condo. Uh, it's, it's on the second or third story. There's no elevator. And I'll say, is that okay with you? You know, there's no elevator there. It's like, no, you know, I got to have an elevator. All right. So let's rule that out. You know, there's different things like that. Um, and just the condition of the property, asking them what kind of work they're comfortable, uh, you know, doing, I can judge off the pictures. Usually you have a pretty good idea of, uh, you know, what kind of work a place might need based on the price. And, uh, the condition it's in, but asking him those questions. Hey, are you comfortable with doing all this? Can you do that? Will you do that? Um, and just making them, you know, ask themselves if they're comfortable with those types of things. Uh, just, you know, just paying attention to what they're looking for. You know, some places, I mean, our area here is so spread out. Uh, we cover, you know, Horry County, Georgetown County. Um, Horry County is literally the largest county in South Carolina land-wise. Um, so it's a really spread out area. So trying to, you know, narrow it down to certain neighborhoods. Some people say, you know, everybody says, I want to be by the beach, right? I'm like, all right, are we talking walking distance, golf cart distance? They're like, oh no, I can be half an hour away driving. Like, all right, well, that really opens things up. So 
just trying to take it uh, just next level and, um, you know, try to ask them, you know, questions, not in an interrogating, you know, type of way, but just to, uh, I mean, really to better serve them. Cause I have so many people I talk to probably, you know, same for you. They say, I want to be by the beach, but uh, that's, you know, that could be anywhere depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. One of the biggest things in our market is proximity to beach, obviously, you know, that's a big driving factor here, but also they'll tell me, Hey, I want this certain community. And I love to ask why. Yep. And that why question is, I think one of the last things that new agents learn to ask, because you, you almost feel weird questioning their judgment about what they want. But I think a real seasoned agent, when you just say, Hey, why do you like that? You might go, cause their answer might be, Oh my gosh, we went there in the off season and there was no crowds and it was great. And we loved it. And you're like, dude, that neighborhood is insane. And in the summer, <laughs> you know, in the busy season, you, you really don't want that if you like quiet with no crowds. Have you found that like that, that why question to be really powerful? Yeah, of course. Cause sometimes they want something so specific that like doesn't even exist. Um, so some people down or not from here, you know, want to move down here. They say, I want to be in a retirement community, a 55 and up community. I'm like, well, really Myrtle beach doesn't have very many of those, like 10, maybe 15 communities. I'm like, why do you want to do that? And they'll say, Oh, the amenities, you know, the crowd, this and that. Well, I could find you, you know, a hundred other communities that have just as much amenities, if not more, if that's something that's important for you uh, or that type of lifestyle you're going for finding, you know, comparable communities, not to just, you know, limit them to one or two places that fit, you know, within their price point, the location they're going for. So really asking, you know, why it's important for them, um, you know, is really crucial for me. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then I'm curious too, marketing wise, have you, what's been kind of your go-to success stories from a marketing perspective? What's been working for you? Have you tried anything outside the box or new and, uh, and had any, you know, success or failures? I mean, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on the marketing piece. Yeah. So, um, really I've not done a whole lot uh, in regards to marketing. It's just been a lot of, uh, you know, organic, um, you know, sphere type of situations, but, um, being consistent on Facebook, you know, my first, you know, two, three years, even I was very sporadic, almost like a secret agent, not even, you know, posting anything, not even telling anybody, I was on there just because like I told you, I was a bit, uh, you know, insecure at the time, not very confident uh, or, or felt like, you know, I didn't deserve, you know, that type of uh, attention, but, you know, trying to be consistent on Facebook and not anything uh, next level, just talking about, you know, when you get somebody on your contract, um, when, you know, whenever you close on a property and, you know, I haven't uh, done any, um, well, the last few weeks, last few months, but, you know, be more active on that. Um, actually, you know, success stories when it comes to testimonial videos at closing, you know, just asking a few questions about the process and just using that, um, just, you know, really organic process. And I've had a lot of people, uh, you know, reach out to me through there, you know, whether it be in Facebook or calling me or seeing me in person and, you know, most kind of treat it like a billboard. Nobody calls you or wants to work with you because they see a billboard, but whenever, uh, you talk to them face to face or they message you, they'll say, Oh, you know, I see you're killing it on Facebook. I'm like, really? I haven't talked to you in four years. You haven't liked, you know, any of my posts. How did you even know that, you know, I sold that house last week? Um, you know, just the, from an organic perspective like that, nothing really uh, out of the box or off the wall, just trying to, you know, keep it consistent. Um, I'm doing something now. I just kind of finalized it a few weeks ago. I haven't really done any marketing for it yet, but something, you know, really simple. 
you know, a lot of people down here have dogs and cats and pets, obviously, um, for whether it's first time home buyers, retirees, but uh, it's called, you know, basically, uh, I haven't done any marketing, just, you know, buy or sell with me and, and adopt a pet for free. So I, you know, hooked up with the Humane Society to where I'll pay any kind of um, adoption fees, you know, vaccination fees, you know, for somebody to uh, get a cat, a dog, you know, from the Humane Society, because right now they're all um, basically over their limit, over capacity. So I think that's something that's uh, kind of neat. Again, I haven't made any promotional material on that yet, but uh, yeah, as far as marketing goes, really nothing outside the box, man. Just trying to keep it simple. That's super cool. I love that idea of letting your marketing be something that is organically something you're passionate about, you know, with, with helping out animals. And we just had someone on the podcast. It hasn't even gone live yet. So you probably even had, haven't, haven't even had a chance to listen to him, but um, it was an agent out of New York City, and he said he got over $7 million in deals because he loves to foster animals. And just working at the animal shelter, he ended up meeting people, and organically, it just they start talking about real estate at some point, and he gets clients out of it. And I think you're going to be really successful doing that. I think it that's definitely a cause that pulls on people's heartstrings. It's obviously something that's important to you, and... Um, you know, I, I think those organic pieces where people can really see you from more than just a business person, but really see your heart and things that goes such a long way to building a personal connection. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I got an, an adopted dog, uh, Oakley, you know, I love him, but, um, yeah, something that, you know, if anything I, I could work on improving, um, to not come off as, uh, so business oriented, I make a lot of, you know, posts on Facebook as far as business goes, things like that. But, uh, I, I have a personal life, you know, I, I do a lot of different things outside of work, but I kind of neglect to, to show that aspect, that personal side, you know, on there to kind of show that, you know, human aspect of it. So that's definitely, you know, a good opportunity uh, for me, but sometimes, you know, I'll get so caught up in posting stuff on Facebook from a business perspective. I, um, I don't focus on the human aspect as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. And I, yeah. so I think that would actually be, first of all, thank you for being vulnerable enough to share something that you, you can improve on. Uh, I think that would be huge for you. And I can give you a really good example of something that happened on our team. One of our agents, we had an outside third-party panel go out and basically poll people and show their social media, this agent's social media to these random people that don't know them and say, what's your impression? And they were, they were like that, where they, it was very business-oriented on the post. And they said, you know, they seem kind of aloof. They seem kind of, you know, almost, and this may not be applied to you, but they're like, it seemed almost like stuck up because it's just all about them. It's just very self-centered media. And so we took that feedback and we changed their marketing to incorporate some of those organic moments of just spending time with the family or walking the dog or hanging out at the beach and sprinkle those in with the business oriented posts. And it has been an absolute explosion for their business because people can make a personal connection with them. They already trust them for the business side, but now they feel like they know them as a person. Yeah. I mean, I agree for me. Yeah. That's definitely something I could work on. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now it's probably, I don't know, out of every 10 posts, maybe seven, eight, nine are actually business. Um, you know, the personal aspect, I'm a bit, you know, when I'm not working, I like to you know, not work and not focus on social media, not be reserved, but still, you know, hang out with friends and family and not really feel the need to, to post about that, you know, kind of stuff all the time. But it is something that, you know, would go further 
it would help me further my career? One of the biggest things you can do is just video. First of all, is really impactful mm -hmm. video over photos and just getting your face on camera and not always being about here's the number, here's the stat, here's the home I sold, but being just like, Hey, I'm hanging out today. Uh, you know, working from home who out there is working from home today or who's, you know, who's going to enjoy this beautiful weather kind of thing. It, it can be so simple. You know, it can be a 30 second Instagram story or, or a one minute reel, just being, just being yourself. Hey, I'm out here walking the dog. We're, we're about to go do an event at the, you know, the rescue shelter later today. You guys come out and join me at 2 PM. If you want to, if you ever thought about adopting a dog, we'll pay your vaccination fees. We just want to help these animals find a good home. That would just, dude, you'd kill it. That'd be so cool. Yeah, it's definitely something I'll, I'll be implementing in the future. Um, yeah, and as far as the you know the business post, it's not uh, it's not I want to say cliche things like talking about interest rates or houses sold. I mean, usually it's I mean it is homes that I either represented on the buy side or the sell side, but mentioning my clients' names, you know, trying to take photos with them and actually mentioning their story, you know, why they're moving down here, what they loved about the house um, and really trying to make it a little more per personal. Yeah. I'm the kind of same way. I don't really care for the people, uh, you know, the lenders, the realtors who are making the, the Facebook posts, you know, talking about the same thing everybody else talks about, right? The market interest rate stuff that doesn't really appeal to people unless you're an agent or, or a lender, right? And trying to make it more personal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the educational side of things can be good, but I think it only, it, it applies to such a small sliver. Cause it's like, it's either a buyer that is really, really hot and active and probably already working with somebody. They might care about that, that really niche, like information about the market or, or mortgage rates, your lenders and your realtors are going to care. But otherwise people just want to know you. And as long as you're doing business and they see you're doing business, if they like you as a person, I think they'll probably work with you, you know, like that likability factor is huge. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you ever, so one thing I've talked about before with folks is, you know, kind of to use the, the younger new age terms. It's like if you're vibing with someone, right. If yeah. you, do you, uh, do you find that to be something you really look for in working with clients or is it just like, Hey, I'll, I'll work with anybody. It doesn't matter kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when I first started, it was kind of, I'll work with anybody. I just want the experience. You know, um, I had some great experiences with people, some horror stories. We loved each other, you know, hated, you know, working with each other. But um, as the years have progressed, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more smoother experience. There's some people where, yeah, I'll try to work with, you know, whoever I can, as long as we, you know, we respect each other. There are some people, I'm sure you have the same situations where we're, they're just so far out of line or just, I want to say not worth uh, the time and it can be million dollar buyers, but if they're, you know, they're extremely rude to you and uh, you know, just talking down on you might not be worth um, not, not the time, but you know, the energy, the effort, just being mutual, being mutual to each other and just having that respect and say, Hey, you know, you may be better off, you know, with somebody else, somebody else may be a better fit for you, regardless of if they're buying, you know, a hundred thousand dollar place or a million dollar place, just having that conversation and uh, being okay with that. But yeah, generally speaking, I mean, it takes a lot to kind of get there to where, you know, I wouldn't want to work with somebody unless they're just really being, you know, vulgar, disrespectful towards you. But yeah, I mean, I'll try to work with anybody, whether it's, you know, first time home buyers, retirees, I take everybody, you know, with an open heart and, uh, you know, try to treat them all the same way. Have you ever had to let go of anybody that was treating you disrespectfully or maybe demanding so much of your time that you're like, look, your expectations are just unrealistic here? 
Yeah, of course. Um, you know, sometimes whether uh, it's it's the price price point they're going for, or just you know, again, they're just very unrealistic on what they want. It's such a specific uh, you know criteria that it's not something that's feasible, at least at the price that they want to go for. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had a few situations like that. Not very many. Um, you know, ninety five, ninety nine plus percent of transactions. Uh, you know, experiences are all very good, very cordial, but. Yeah, of course. Um, sometimes it's just better off uh, if you just kind of let them do their own thing. Yeah, I had a, and, and I, I'm, please, listeners, don't let this be representative of our area because it is really <laughs> not. But I had a guy who was really making a lot of racist comments um, towards people that we were seeing. And then beyond that, too, like already I was, I was like, okay, this is not going to work yeah. out. And then he asked me what I was going to do this weekend. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably just going to go to church with my family, lay low. And he goes, oh, you're a Christian, huh? Going to go get your bullhorn out and go go shout at me? And I was like, dude, I don't know who you've been around, but no, definitely not. And that was, I mean, we've had some rare, rare situations where people are just not the kind of people we want to associate with. And we've just had to step back and let those go. Um, we've had other times where people are just draining your time. They're very unrealistic with, hey, we want you to do five open houses this week. And by the way, we're going to overprice our property by 15%, but you need to be showing it all the time. And it's like, I, I don't know. I found success letting, being, being willing to let go of clients that I knew were not a good fit. It freed me up. Have you found that when you have had to let people go? Like, did, did you have a positive result from that? Or were you, did you regret it? Like, man, I kind of wish I would have stuck through that. Yeah. I mean, so when I first started, I kind of have um, a bit more regret. I, I mean, I was still, uh, you know, somewhat successful when I first started, but just still telling a story to myself. I need as many people as I can. You know, I don't want one person to slip away from me. You know, I don't want to be that, you know, situation. But nowadays, yeah, it's a lot more, uh, a lot more transparent. You know, we have expectations of each other. But yeah, I mean, I've had you know a handful probably more than a uh, type of racist situations as well. Kind of like you and I first started, especially, I feel like it's not as bad now as it was, at least when I started, maybe it's just not as blatant or as obvious as it was, you know, when I first started, but um, yeah, I mean, people would say stuff that I can't, you know, repeat on here, just crazy off the wall stuff. Um, that's, that's really insane. I mean, I can't believe, you know, some people say those types of things, but uh and that's just what they say to you. I can only imagine what they say, uh, you know, behind your back, not just about <laughs> you, but about, you know, other people, you know? So, yeah, I mean, nowadays it's not, you know, hurting my feelings too much when we decide to kind of, you know, walk away from each other. Yep. I agree. And by the way, I appreciate your humility. We're like, yeah, I did okay in the beginning. 36 sales Baron in your first year is tremendous. Like, I appreciate the humility you approach this conversation with, but you deserve all the props in the world for, for executing at such a high level on your system for, for not only creating your goals, but then creating a system to go follow through on those goals. And obviously, I mean, you've hit everyone and then some, so I just want to commend you on having the consistency and the wisdom to create a process and then follow it day in and day out. That's huge. Yeah, that, that means a lot, man. Thank you, especially coming from you. Um, yeah, I mean, it took a lot of, I mean, it took a lot of nerves to even, you know, be on here, even sign up or, uh, you know, at least um, the application for the podcast. I mean, I've been listening to you guys for the last, uh, you know, two and a half years since basically COVID, you know, listening religiously every single day since then. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I didn't even apply until, you know, recently, obviously, but, um, ever since I've started and I guess it's, it's a blessing and a curse. I think it's more of a blessing. I've always been kind of, uh, you know, hard on myself, not always taking a moment to sit back and reflect on, you know, where I'm at today. And I'm, I'm something that, you know, I'm working on now, but no, I'm super thankful, man. That means a lot to, uh, to come from you. Um, yeah, I mean, especially, you know, hearing it from you, but, uh, yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you too, you know, you, you've talked about how your confidence has been growing over the last five years that you've been in the business and man, Hey, I, I just signed up for the podcast kind of thing, dude, you, the wisdom you've been dropping today in terms of how to create a business structure. If I could send this podcast to every new agent in the nation, I would do it because the things you're sharing right now are things that every single one of us need to hear. Every single one of us from top to bottom need to work on. I mean, I think you are just on such a powerful trajectory. You really do have the formula figured out. And now you're just, you're just refining those little things that are just going to keep taking you to the next level, but you're really killing it. Yeah, man. Thanks. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So if, if people want to send you some wonderful Myrtle Beach referrals, or if they just want to reach out to you and connect, where can people find you? Yeah. I mean, they can go through Facebook if they want. It's just, uh, you know, my name, Baron Calvert, or, um, you know, call me, send me a text uh, anytime. You know, my number is 843-421-5197. But yeah, I'm always available. Well, Baron, I really appreciate your time today. It's been phenomenal getting to know you and learn about your business. And uh, we just appreciate you coming on and being willing to share. Yeah, man. Thanks again for uh, allowing me to be on here. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, real estate rock stars. We'll talk to you next time. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.